0: Hey, you may be seated today. Thank you so much for worshiping. Thank you, team. And uh, thank you, Joel. It's great to connect with you. And, uh, but uh, we want to say welcome. Welcome to those of you that are joining us online. And I want to invite the uh, greeting team to go ahead and start distributing those uh, magic baskets that we're going to fill up. Uh, if you're online right now, you can give online. There's lots of ways you can give to Family Life Church and support This ministry, um, you can do it by texting 94,000, give FLC, uh, or FLC give, better say it right, FLC give to 94,000. Or if you're new with us, you're connecting with us today, you'll find if you're in the room, there's a connect card right there in the chairs. Please uh, take that time, fill that out, let us know who you are, we'd love to connect with you. Or if you want to do it electronically, you can scan that QR code right in front of you or online, again, 94,000. FLC Connect. See how easy that is? We just make it easy uh, to connect, but I'm glad you're here today. Um, I'd like to thank a few people that helped us um, today every, about every year for the last several years when Newberg does the Old Fashioned Festival. Saturday night, uh, they do a big fireworks show at a football field, and uh, they have a lot of fun, and when people leave, they discard many of their things, <laughs> and the football field is just kind of trashed, and there's garbage and everything everywhere. And so uh, we get the opportunity to serve our city by coming in on a Sunday morning about 6.30 and just sweeping that thing clean so it looks great, and then they're on to something else that they're doing. So today, I just wanted to thank the guys, the men and women that that met us down there for Richard and Jeff, Tony, Dale, Marcus, Andrew, Liam, Steve and Terry, and uh, I was chasing them around. And it, it, was, it was a great time because uh, people only left half the garbage they normally do. <laughs> so that was great. But thank you. Thank you for serving today. Yeah, thank those people that uh, helped us serve. And we're, we're just really glad you're here today. Um, you know, uh, maybe this message needs a heat advisory. <laughs> How many, don't you dare complain about this sunshine. Don't you dare. Because uh, it's going to be over and we're going to say, where's the sunshine, Right. I talked to a pastor this week, and his air conditioning just went out in this building. <laughs> How many glad you're at this church, right? Yeah. He's preaching on hell all month. <laughs> Illustrated sermon. I hope you're comfortable today, and, uh, but I hope your heart is open, your mind is open to what Jesus wants to say to you. And uh, you know, we're in the last message, we're in this Summer Wise, Summer Not series through the book of Proverbs. And uh, we're in our last message. Man, I can't believe it's been seven weeks we've been navigating through these different themes. As you know, Proverbs is one of those books that just has themes throughout the book. And so we've been weaving our way through. And uh, it's a very practical book. Um, It's God's wisdom and counsel for life uh, in a world that seems like it's lost its mind (laughs) And I don't think it's just recently. I think the world has lost its mind in a lot of ways. Uh, Probably always has been that way. But we need God's wisdom more than ever. We need God's uh, counsel and his wisdom. And we find in the book of Proverbs principles and what we call truisms. Truisms that basically say if if you incorporate these principles into your life, most likely your life will go better. And they're not promises or guarantees, but Most times when we say, I'm going to do the wise thing, and we learned that the first week we talked about wisdom, and then we talked about money, and sexuality, and friends and family, and speech, and vices, and last week we went through vices, and if we didn't hit your vice, that doesn't mean you're off the hook, you know? But there are so many things that it talks about, we're trying to highlight those, and today it's kind of like we've been spending all the time to get to here, we're going to talk about virtues, virtues. The Bible helps us understand that virtues are things that should be present in our lives, and the Book of Proverbs really has something to say about virtues. And there's more than twelve. I can think of uh, at least twelve that are in here. But but first of all, let's define what is a virtue. A basic understanding of a virtue is that it's seen as a behavior showing high moral standards, uh, uh, commendable quality, a personal trait, moral excellence. Those are, that's, that's how we're defining a virtue, and unlike last week with the vices that we're to avoid, these are things that anytime you see a virtue in the Proverbs, it's, uh, it's a wise thing to say, how can I incorporate that into my life, or use it as a reflection when we read, and that's what I've loved about this series, is that we're really just reading through the Proverbs, and many times it just speaks for itself, and it's very clear and very plain of what we need to do. Uh, like I said, some of the virtues that are mentioned in Proverbs are humility and mercy, kindness, righteousness, patience, peace, integrity, dec- discretion, honesty, hard work, love, faithfulness. It's, and there's probably more, but uh, we're going we're gonna to grab a hold of about four of those today and see what God will teach us. But let's start in Proverbs chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading in verse 21. And let's just let the Proverbs speak to us today. Proverbs 14, 21 starts like this. It is a sin to hate your neighbor, but blessed is the person who is kind to those in need. Those who plan evil go down the wrong path, but those who plan good find love and truth. All hard work pays off, but if all you do is talk, you'll be poor. <laughs> How many, you got a testimony that goes that one, don't you? It's that uncle, that niece, that son-in-law. Yeah, I okay. got. Uh, the wealth of the wise people is their crown, but the foolish ways of foolish people lead to what is foolish. An honest witness saves lives, but a dishonest witness tells lies. Anyone who shows respect for the Lord has a strong tower; it will be safe place for their children. Respect for the Lord is like a fountain that gives life. It turns you away from the jaws of death. A large population is a king's glory, but a prince without followers is destroyed. Anyone who is patient has great understanding, but anyone who gets angry quickly shows how foolish they are. A peaceful heart gives life to the body but jealousy rots the bones. Anyone who crushes poor people makes fun of their maker, but anyone who is kind to those in need honors God. When trouble comes, sinners are brought down, but godly people seek safety in God even as they die. Wisdom rests in the heart of those who understand what is right. And even among foolish people, she makes herself known. Doing what is right lifts people up, but sins brings judgment to any nation. The king is pleased with a wise servant, but a servant who is full of shame stirs up the king's anger. So we're going to look at some of these virtues that uh, are, we've listed in those larger group. And uh, like I said, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, but I do think these four that I'm going to draw out are things that, man, if we incorporate these into our life, if we work on these, I think we're going to be on a much better path. So let's jump right in. And the first one I want to talk about is humility. Humility. Now, humility is the one thing that you aspire to, but you never just tell people that you have it. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just want you to know I'm really humble. I'm really humble. Well, then you just blew it. Then you're not humble, right? You know, I'm so proud of my humility. You know, it's one of those things that you've got to aspire to, but other people got to bring it up. I remember being in a meeting one time with a bunch of pastors, and and uh, one of the pastors got elected to a leadership position, and he got to the front and he introduced himself. I just want you all to know I'm a humble man, and uh, we just all went, "Oh, okay, good job." Uh, <laughs> but you know. Uh, Others can say that you're humble, but as soon as you say it, then you aren't. Except the only person that really could say he was humble was Moses. Moses was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. When he wrote the five books of the Bible, the Holy Spirit was inspiring him, and God was telling him what to write. And uh, he's writing about the things, and then God said, Now I want you to tell everybody you are the most humble person that ever lived. <laughs> he's like, God, I can't write that. I can't write that. And God says, No, I want you to put that in there. But I want you to notice... Numbers 12, 3, it says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. But it, you'll notice in your Bible it's parentheses, right? So maybe Moses had this conversation. God, I'll write it, but at least let me put it in parentheses so, I, so they know it like, didn't quite come from me. Humility. Uh, we need more of it. Don't take your, yourself too seriously and gather people around you who might not be so impressed with you. Now, let, let me understand, or let me make sure I understand what you're saying. You need to have people in your life that can speak truth to you, right? If everybody around you just wants to tell you how great you are, you need someone that will just really see you who you are, or basically just get married, right? Right? That, that'll help too. Um, no, I, that doesn't, that's not true for me. It's not true for me. Proverbs eighteen twelve says, before his downfall, a man's heart is proud, but humility comes before honor. You know, we don't want to stumble because of pride. So it's important to let the people around us have people in your life that you can hear from. And, you know, sometimes when I, you know, I feel like God's man of grace and power and then I go home and you get a dog and you got to just pick up poop again, that just kind of brings you right back to earth, Right? Um, now, listen, uh, being godly does not mean that you have no self-esteem. So understand, there's a balance to this. Having uh, uh, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Do you get that? But allowing that other things to speak for ourselves. And usually when you see people that need to tell you how great they are, it's, it's probably a pretty good sign of a deep insecurity. And a lot of times I'll be in a setting or something, and I'm just dying to be impressive. You know, you meet somebody new and you want to talk, and I want to hear from them, but I'm just waiting to put in there. Well, you know, here's about me. You know, and every once in a while, I said, "Why are you so, why are you so such in a hurry to be impressive? Why don't you just be impressed and skip being impressive?" It's just a constant, constant thing we need to work with. Um, Winston Churchill was once asked doesn't it thrill you that every time you make a speech that the hall is packed to overflowing? Isn't that quite flattering? Sir Winston said, yes, it is flattering, but whenever I feel that way, I always remember that if instead of making a political speech, I was being hanged, the crowd would be twice as big. That's pretty good. Let me tell you, the fear of the Lord is always remembering that all you are and all you have comes from the Lord. Everything we have comes from Him. You say, well, I've made it. You know, well, who, who made your hands? Who gave you the ideas? You know, there's a great place in life when we can get to to realize that what we have has come to us from the Lord. It's His gifts. Proverbs 22, 4 says, humility and the fear of the Lord brings wealth and honor and life. I heard from one pastor one time, he says, I'm one bad decision away from losing everything. And and it's not about living, you know, in fear. It's not about living an insecure life. It's just knowing you've got to be focused and you've got to be humble. And every time I see a respected leader fall, and unfortunately, there's way too many examples of that, I see someone on a high standard that they fall, immediately I say, I need to be even more careful because if they can fall, how much quickly can we do? It's the humility to know, God, everything I have is yours. And you know, one one thing we we need to do more is to celebrate others and not celebrate yourself. Proverbs 27, 2 says, let another praise you and not with your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. You know, I... (laughs) I knew a guy one time, I was going to say he was a friend of mine, but maybe he thought we were friends, maybe. <laughs> and every time I was around him, it just, boy, the stories would just flow, and he was always the hero, and he would just go on and on and on. And it got to where I would just, I'd see him come, and I'd just like, ugh, I know what I'm in for. And one time he stopped, and he says, you know what, it's not bragging if it's true. <laughs> wow. I say, okay, let somebody else tell those things about you. Another great thing is just to follow the example of Jesus. Matthew 20, 26 says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. There's a lot of oxymorons in the Bible, it seems like. Like when you give, that's when you receive. Or when Jesus says, if anybody really wants to save his life, he has to lose it. Some people call it an upside down kingdom. But Jesus came and not only did he say, hey, it's greater to serve, but he demonstrated it. If anybody deserved To be honored and served was Jesus coming in the flesh. The King of kings, the Lord of lords is actually walking our streets. And what did he do? He served people. He served people. Humility comes because you're a servant and you think of others. And, you know, when, when we want to be served, he says, hey, the last are going to be the first. He talks about times like, don't go up and take the front seat and think you're self-important because if they have to ask you to move back, it's embarrassing. Why don't you take the back seat and then you get asked up and it's a little better for you. It's that humility. Philippians 2.8 says, being found in the appearance of a man, this is talking of Jesus, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus was so humble and he was our model. Proverbs 3.34 says, God mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. And remember, being humble is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And you know what? Knowing that God ultimately keeps the books. God ultimately keeps the books. Can I just tell you that there might be times in life when you get the appreciation you deserve And there's some times in your life you're just never going to get the appreciation you deserve. And you know what? you got to know Jesus. You're seeing this. You're keeping the books. I know how you love me, and that's going to have to be good enough for me. That's probably the best thing. But the virtue of humility is something that I think we all work on. And just when I think I get humble, then like I said, I get proud of my humility. So let's go to kindness Kindness. Jesus always modeled kindness and compassion when he interacted with people, including the examples. You remember the woman caught in the very act of adultery, and really they were trying to see if Jesus would come down hard on sin or if he was going to be super liberal with the rules. And what did he do? Ultimately, he just showed kindness to those who needed it the most. It's interesting. A lot of times if you look at the Old Testament and the Jewish laws, It told you who not to be around and what not to touch. And Jesus came, and in his kindness, he hung around all the the wrong people, and he touched all the wrong people. Lepers he would touch out of his kindness. And, you know, you and I are sitting in this room today because of the kindness of God. The Bible says it's your kindness that leads us to repentance. It's the kindness of God, and that's something we need to emulate. Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowd, speaking of Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus demonstrated kindness because in a sense, it's the greatest example to all of us, especially men. You know, I love how Jesus shows this kindness because a lot of times, to be so honest, sometimes men associate kindness as like, uh, more of a feminine trait, like my wife can be kind, but I gotta be strong. I gotta be hard, right? You know? Your kid comes with you with a with a scratched knee or something, rub some dirt in it. <laughs> That'll be good. You know, you don't want to coddle them too much, right? Let the wife be kind. I love Jesus' example for every man that he was just kind. You know. He was just kind. I'm telling you, one of the things that we are lacking. <laughs> as a culture today, is just kindness. Now, I know, I mean, everything we've been through in the last two years, it seemed like it's depleted some things from us, whether you know it or not. It's depleted some reserves that we had. And it seems like my reserve for patience with people is way low. And so this virtue is so important just to say, man, kindness and tenderness, it's not just for a woman to be kind and tender. Men, we've got to be kind, I think sometimes for men, that's an idea that, that, that we need to incorporate. Romans 2 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? Or Colossians 3 12 says, Therefore, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. The great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. You get to that part where it starts describing love. First three words, love is patient. Second three words, love is kind. You know, most of the times when I'm having an attitude problem and it happens, and I just go back to that verse and I say, okay, in this situation, in what I'm facing and my bad attitude first of all i got to realize love is patient love is kind and you know that right there if i can if i can just grasp those two things it helps me but many times we feel like kindness is our our greatest challenge and in our culture today it seems like the kindness will be squeezed right out of you and little things drivers people being slow right you just Love is patient, love is kind. Do that, do that. Galatians five, twenty two and 23 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You know, a lot of times we want to know, man, do you, do you exhibit the, the gifts of the Spirit, right? Do you speak in tongues, can you go out and heal people? You know what? The primary evidence of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit, and when I see someone exhibiting the kindness and gentleness and self-control, I can see the Holy Spirit is at work in their life. What I don't understand is somebody that's lived for Jesus more years than I've been alive or, or, or has been in the church for so long, but yet they're just not kind. And they're not gentle. I think it's a challenge for every one of us. Proverbs 14.31 says, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Again, looking to Jesus as the only one that matters what he thinks and saying, Jesus, I don't want to be kind to this person. <laughs> they are a kindness sucker, right? They suck the kindness right out of me, but Jesus, for you, I'm going to do this. That honors God. Proverbs 11, 16 and 17 says, A kind-hearted, kind-hearted woman gains respect, but a ruthless man gains only wealth. A kind man benefits himself, but a cruel man brings trouble on himself kindness is gentleness expressed through tenderness kindness is gentleness expressed through tenderness let's move on to integrity integrity first corinthians or first chronicles 29:17 says i know my god that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity Now, the Hebrew word for integrity is the Hebrew word taman, and it literally means completion or wholeness. Many times when they would look at uh, uh, a ceramic vase, they would put a light in it to see if it had integrity. If there was no cracks in it, it had integrity. It was whole. It was complete. In a moral sense, integrity means that you are whole or complete because you're not divided in your heart, in terms of your principles. And we live in a culture today that is so divided In we act one way, one place, and we act one way, another place, and we become divided. Our attention is divided. Our, our character is divided. And integrity says that doesn't work because integrity literally means being whole, being one person. Are you the same person at home that you are on the job? Are you the same person on the job as you are at church is there different people you know it's interesting that word divide the, the root word for divide is also the same root word for anxiety ever wonder why our culture has so much anxiety right now maybe it's because we have no integrity maybe it's because we're so divided in our relations we're so divided in our allegiances we can't focus on one thing god help us to be whole and complete You know, we have a generation of children that are growing up with incredible anxiety. And so it's so important to model that integrity. It's been said that, you probably heard this before, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. That's integrity. And I pray all the time, God, give me integrity in my community. Give me integrity in those that I lead. Why? Because that's one thing, if I lose my integrity... I've got nothing to stand on. I mean, you know people that maybe there's been circumstances and they've, they've proven that they have no integrity. How much trust do you have for them? How much do you want to follow that type of leader? And there's a story in the Gospels where people came to Jesus. You remember, they would be teaching times where he'd be teaching crowds. And then there's other times when he would be at the temple courts teaching and the Pharisees and Sadducees would send people in to, with trick questions they were always trying to trip him up, right? They were always trying to make him say something that they could accuse him for. And they were asking him about paying taxes and they wanted him to get him on record as doing something against the government. And, and Jesus just annihilates them with his answer. You might remember that time when he, he said, uh, they said, hey, should we be paying taxes? And they got their little recorder going. Uh, Jesus says, don't pay your taxes, you know. Should we be paying taxes? And you, you might remember the story. He said, show me a coin. Somebody flipped him a coin. I don't think jesus ever gave it back that's a good trick right there no he had integrity he gave it back but he just said hey whose image is on this caesar's so he says hey give to caesar what caesar give to gods what's god and they're like "Ooh!" all his followers go burn Yeah, right but here's what they actually said that when they came up to him they said to him teacher we know that you're a man of integrity Even the guys that were trying to trip him up knew that Jesus was focused. He was whole. You were a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Even his enemies say the the greatest things about him. Now, notice when he says you don't care about people, what he's saying is that he's not swayed by pleasing people. And the moment you try to be a people pleaser, you're not going to make decisions with integrity. I had to write this and highlight this because I happen to be a person that loves to please people. But in making my decisions according to whatever it is, God, help me to be a person of integrity. When you you love to, to say things that people want to hear, God, help me. Help me to stand in that integrity. It's really about pleasing God before people. Notice we keep coming back to that. Who is the ultimate audience that we're we're dealing with? It's God. It's living before Him. Proverbs 9.10 says this, The man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. Proverbs 11.3, The integrity of the upright guides them, but the faithful... Unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Proverbs thirteen six says, "Righteous guards the man's integ- righteousness guards the man's integrity, but wickedness overflows, overthrows the sinner." Proverbs twenty nine ten said, "Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity, and seek to kill the upright." Listen, if you are serious about living a life of integrity, know this, there will be people that probably simply will not like you. That's why they could say about Jesus, we understand that you don't care about what everyone thinks because you are a man of integrity. And so if you're going to make decisions, remember going back to in this circumstance, according to where I'm at in my life, my past experience, my dreams for going forward. Is this the wise thing to do? And is this decision one of integrity? But when you make a decision that is right and focused for you, it doesn't mean that everyone else is going to like it. But that's when we have to stand in the wisdom and we have to stand in that integrity. So these are things, virtues. We're putting them into our life. We're putting them to work in our life. And And life is a continual opportunity to test. It's going to test your honesty and your humility. It's going to test your kindness. It's going to test your integrity over and over, and we continue. And you know what? Sometimes we'll pass the test. Sometimes we fail miserably, but we come back and say, God, help me again. Help me again. I'm so thankful that the wisdom of God is not a one-time shot. I'm so glad it's not like, hey, you fail the test, you're out. No, God says, hey, let's try again. Let's try again. The last thing today is honesty, which really is truthfulness. Truthfulness. You can't really say honesty without implying truthfulness. They're bound together. Everything about God is truth because he is the source of all truth, the Bible says. God is a God of truth. Psalms 31.5 says, O Lord, the God of truth. The Bible says that about him. It also says that God's word, God's word is truth. Daniel 10.21 says, the book of truth, calls God's word the book of truth. Jerusalem in, in Zechariah is called the city of truth. Over and over in the book of John, and we see in the gospels that Jesus is the truth. Jesus answered him, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit is what he's called the spirit of truth, and the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us in truth. John fourteen seventeen calls him the spirit of truth. And when we're talking about truth, why why can we say God is truth? It is impossible for God to lie. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that he should lie. Hebrews 6, 18 says, it is impossible for God to lie. Now, we covered some of this um, in the message we talked about speech, that the things that come out of our mouth and how they need to be truthful, but it's a virtue when you say, God, help me to be a person of truth. And dishonesty can make many forms. Dishonesty can be in the form of lies, exaggeration, half-truths, so-called white lies, deception, false accusations, misinterpretation. It all comes down to, am I going to be a person that tells the truth? And just as important as saying, is this the wise thing to do? When I'm ready to do something, I say, is this the truth? Is this the truth? And then I ask myself a follow-up question <laughs> because I can... I can, like, say, well, it's the truth according to me. Uh, no, is this really the truth? That second question always gets me. You know, is this really the truth? Proverbs 12, 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men and women who are truthful. Who are truthful. You know, the evangelist Billy Sunday uh, had a someone come up to him and uh, after a, a set of meetings and said, uh, can you just help me? Um, would you really pray for me? I just really need to prove my trouble with exaggerating. And Billy S- Sunday said, "Well, first let's call it what it is. You have a problem with lying." <laughs> Bam! <laughs> See, ya, I'm an evangelist. I'm out, right? <laughs> yeah. But that's truth. It's so easy to shade the truth or tell half truths, so it's easier on us. We struggle sometimes by telling the truth or the actual truth because it might cost us something. Or how about this one? If we are afraid that what we're going to say might hurt someone else's feelings. And so we want to tell them something, but is it the truth? Proverbs twelve seventeen says, a truthful witness gives honest testimony, but a false witness tells lies. Proverbs 24, 26 says, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Can I get an amen out of somebody? Come on. Proverbs 8, 7 says, My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. The truth. You know, the Bible says that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against dark forces and evil realms. Basically, most of the time, our battle is not against people, and so it's a spiritual battle. And so the Bible encourages us to take up the whole armor of God. It says to do everything to be able to stand in God's armor. You know what? The first tool in God's armor is the belt of truth. the belt of, that's the first thing. And I've told you this before, many times every Sunday, as I'm preparing for messages and stuff, I, I just kind of it's just kind of a, a practice for me or habit for me, just to kind of go over the armor, right? And I just start putting them on. And the first thing I do is just kind of physically I belt up. It's like a scaffolding. It's like it holds your drawers up. Amen? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Some of us need a good belt, right? Some of you move on to suspenders. Thankfully, that's good. But, you know, we got to keep them up. But it's, that, it's the thing that holds everything together. You know, if I seek after righteousness, if I seek after protection in the shield that is faith or, or the sword of the Spirit, and I don't have truth in my life, it's the foundation I stand on. A dangerous prayer, a brave prayer is say, God, I give you permission to go through my life and weed out any lies that I still believe or that I'm standing on. Sometimes we can tell ourselves things so many times we start to believe it to be true. That's why I come out, God, what do you say? He is the person of truth. God is truth. He's not just about truth. He doesn't just know truth. God is truth. And there's been a cultural movement for some time now, and it goes like this. You tell your truth or let me share my truth. Let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya. Can we just stop that with my truth and your truth? Because saying that something is my truth creates a false impression that truth is fluid. It is not consistent with And unavoidable in reality, we've got to face it. Truth can never be your truth because Jesus is truth. There is a standard of truth. Now, I can attest to that, I can testify to that, I can engage that, but I can never come and say, well, here's my truth. Now, also listen to me before you amen too much. That doesn't mean that people should not be heard or believed because to our own experiences, there'll be things that we feel so strongly. I realize that there's different perspectives and there's different interpretations. But there is only one truth. The truth can be expressed in a variety of ways, but there's only one truth. Truth only comes from within me when Jesus is in me. Truth only comes out of my mouth when I've attested to and testified to what God has already done. Now I'm going to say a stronger statement here and i want you to listen to this your truth is definitely different from the truth because the truth is different is jesus and practically speaking when we say well this is my truth most times it's groundless it's unspiritual and it's insulting to god to say i need to share my truth But thankfully, we're not left alone just to wander around, stumbling through darkness, saying maybe we can bump into the truth because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. I can find truth when I look into God's word. I can find truth when I engage Jesus. I can find truth when I say, God, I want to know what you feel about me. I want you to expose what you say about me. And here's wisdom. This is the wisdom. This is wisdom. Jesus, help me to be a person of truth. Jesus, help me to be a person that speaks truth. How about this one? Holy Spirit, I give you permission to check my heart and my spirit when I'm about to fade into the gray. God, guard me. Just Holy Spirit, just be right there and tap me. Convict me. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, to convince of sin, to convict us when we've done wrong, not to condemn you, but to convict you and say, listen, you're going into untruth. And I could stop and I can back up and say, wait a minute, is this the truth? Is this really the truth? Jesus, we need to be truthful. We need to be people of truth. We need to be people of humility. We need to be people of kindness. We need to be people of integrity. In a world of chaos, division, anger, resentment, in in a world that thinks there's all these paths to truth, there needs to be people that will stand up and say, I'm going to focus on what is true, the person of truth, the word of truth, and I'm going to stand in that. I'm going to allow that to guide my decisions. I'm going to allow that to guide my life. I'm going to allow these virtues to be at play in my life. And I'm going to continue to come back. Even when I fail, I'm going to come back to them. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to mine out the lies maybe that I've come to believe over time because I've told them and I've told them and now I start to believe them. Okay, what is the truth? And I heard this one time that you're never more free than when there are no more lies. When the light is on all the lies, you've never been more free than when there are no more lies. These virtues are things that we can have added to our lives. That's going to be our prayer today. Would you pray with me today? As I've asked you each week, would you just take a moment right now during this time of reflection and ask Jesus to lead you in this way, the way of virtues. Perhaps there's things that the Holy Spirit has caught your attention with. Maybe you're sitting there right now and say, boy, I I think this is me or... Can I just say, let him do his work. Don't push it aside. Don't even say, I'll think about it Let the Holy Spirit do his work. Let him just come in and convince us of the virtues we need. Convince us of the person, the man, the woman, the student, the grandparent that he wants us to be. There's never a place where we can't continue to grow. There's never a time when we cannot continue to be more truthful and more kind, more humble, more people of integrity, more gaps being filled in the walls of our lives, more or less divisions, Holy Spirit, come. God, give us the ability to walk in wisdom. Give us the ability to see these truisms as things to put into our life, and that we can continue to walk after you. you're in the room today and maybe you just don't have a relationship with Jesus, or you're watching online right now, I'm telling you what, in this culture today, I'm telling you, you need to have a relationship with Jesus. And the wisest decision that you'll ever make, you could make it today, and that's saying, Jesus, I want you in my life. Forgive me. Walk with me. Help me to grow. Be my friend. Be my guide. Be the source of wisdom. He will be. Be the source of humility in my life, be the source of kindness, integrity, and honesty in my life. If you say that prayer, the Bible says that he is faithful and just, forgive you of what you've done wrong, and he's going to come in and go to work in your life. Doesn't mean necessarily that you're never going to have any more problems. (laughs) I'm telling you, sometimes when you come to Jesus, you get a different set of issues you have to deal with, but I'm telling you what, you'll never be alone. And he'll be with you, chipping off those edges, bringing you into the person he wants you to be because Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. Here's the deal. With Jesus, we begin to change, and we don't stop until he comes and gets us. Father, thank you today for your word again, for diving in and and really digging into the wisdom that comes from heaven that you've recorded. Thank you, God, for a man named Solomon giving lessons to his son. Thank you, God, that you gave him extraordinary wisdom and that he shared it with us. God, help us follow those paths. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, how many feel a little bit smarter, a little wiser? Be humble about it now. Don't lift your hand. Just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm going to invite uh, Sandy, if she would please come to the platform, because the last few weeks I've been teasing uh, the ladies that there's something, not teasing, <laughs> that would not be nice, but uh, um, you need a mic. I'll grab, I'm right over there. Oh, will get it. Watch this. This is kindness. Uh, and how, yes, I'm humble. I'm so kind. I'm so humble. Um. um there's something happening for ladies. I'm going to just step out of the way and let you do it because I'm messing it up.
1: Okay. Well, tomorrow night is our, um, our kickoff for our at the table event that um, I don't know if any of you have, I'm sure some of you have signed up, but um, we're just really excited to get together and have some fellowship. And we're really excited that there's like almost 40 ladies that have signed up. So I'm, I'm like super excited about that. But um, the one thing that I wanted to say about it was, you know, in planning this, we weren't really sure how many people would be interested in this. And I know this is like our first event after COVID. And um, I think we all just really need to get together and, and get to know each other and have some fellowship. And the reason we kind of come up with at the table was because Jesus met with people at the table and it wasn't just to eat, it was to grow spiritually. And it was to grow um, and feed us mentally. So this was something that was really important to me, that we not only form really good friendships out of this, but that we grow together in God's Word and in our experiences. So um, tomorrow night, 6.30, we're going to have appetizers and fun because there isn't anything that we do if I'm here that isn't fun so um, I just want you to come if you haven't signed up yet um, please do um, or just come because we just want everybody here and those of you that have already signed up look in your email because we have sent you a little email updating you. And then we also want to share some upcoming ideas that we have for future stuff. So, don't miss so it.
0: That's gonna be here at the church.
1: Here at the church in the family room. Right. Six thirty.
0: You and or Lisa and or Becca are gonna be at the table if they want more Lisa, info. Lisa, uh,
1: Becca, Sarah. Sarah. And Lisa, Lisa can be there too. Lisa is welcome. Okay, that's
0: good. <laughs> she might. Yeah.
1: As long as she brings her baby.
0: Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so you'll be there. I'll be there. All right. Okay. Got it. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Hey, why don't you stay with me? Um, Would you stand with me right now? And uh, as we see these things put into our life, and as we step out of these doors and we face another week that we don't know what's going to happen, here's what I always like to say. Nothing surprises God. There's nothing too hard for Him to handle. And according to God's word, He's still got a plan for our good. We have a prayer wall right over here. If you'd like to have prayer today, if you're facing something, don't walk out of this room without having someone. Let us pray with you today before you leave. If you're online right now, there's a host and you could put in a prayer request. We'd love to be praying for you. But until I see you again, I pray that God would bless you and keep you. I pray that God would turn his face towards you and shine his countenance on your life. Not only give you peace, but keep you cool. God bless you as you go live the life.